So, Nathan Pitts with the Bear from Muscle Shoals. You're playing Acoustic Night in yeah. Tuscaloosa. You've done that before. Yeah, we've probably done it three or four times now. Dave, all good, you know, kind of runs that joint, and he's always been really nice to us, and we always have pretty good turnout. Yeah, so you've played the venue in the small room, and when I last saw you guys, you were up on the big stage. Yeah. When you played with Kalu Kalei and then Dave Allgood's band, mm-hmm. and there was kind of a showcase that you guys had there that night. I mean, what is it about that venue that brings you guys back from time to time? I don't know. I think it's nice, like... We don't play a lot of bars anymore. We used to play a lot of bars. So it's nice to play a venue that's a dedicated music venue. You know, I like the small room too for the intimacy. You kind of get all the crowd, you know, is there to listen to you. And it's pretty quiet and it's nice. I think it goes well with our music. Why no bars anymore? I mean, and you may play the occasional bar. Do you reach a certain point where you make the transition or is that a choice that you have to make? Or is it just something that you guys specifically are doing? Yeah, no, I think it's just us kind of specifically. I mean, we will play bars. It's not like we're necessarily against bars, but we kind of seek out or enjoy to play venues that are more like listening room experiences in general. So you think something's lost in a bar where people are there for a variety of reasons as opposed to just the music? Well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Like we play Green Bar, and that place is great you know like playing green bar there's a bar mobile that we play alley bar and it depends on the band too you know a lot of bands really thrive in a bar scene sort of you know i think our stuff doesn't quite go over quite as well like just a typical bar maybe what is it about your stuff i mean you have a lot of different instruments you've got a more elaborate setup than i think a lot of people may have especially when you're playing on a small stage like a bar's stage even a place like green bar for instance which is a venue in terms of like philosophically right which suits your needs but what is it about your specific setup and what you guys do that may not work or be as compatible say technically or physically with a bar uh, I don't know. I don't know about like physical capabilities. I think maybe our music, there's some dynamics to it that work well in a quieter setting in general. In bars, I mean, I love to go see shows at bars, but a lot of times they're kind of loud in general. So not all of it kind of transfers over as well in a bar, I don't think. So have you been frustrated when you're playing at a bar show where I mean, you guys have been on stage and just looked at each other or maybe afterwards and said, we can't do this anymore. Uh, not, I mean, nothing really pops to my mind. You know, I'm sure there has been instances, you know, in the distant past, but like we haven't played bars like that in a long time. So you're playing Tuscaloosa. You've played Tuscaloosa several times. You mentioned green bar. You've been to the Bama a handful of times. Tuscaloosa specifically, I don't know how much time you've spent here in your life. I know you have lived here for a couple of years, right? I mean, what is it about Tuscaloosa that you like? I mean, do you like Mm -hmm. Tuscaloosa? No, I do. I love Tuscaloosa. Like, I mean, like I said, I lived here for a couple of years. I went to school here when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. We have a really good response every time we play in Tuscaloosa. You know, there's people that will be at every show that we play here you know and uh so i don't know it i don't know what it is but i think you know the university has a huge population obviously and so i think there's enough people here that there's a small enough niche to enjoy our music and come out you know to see us when we play so when you were in school at ua did you get out and see music yeah we did i lived pretty close to the strip then and so we just walked to the strip and see shows who are some of the bands that you would go see just whoever was playing you know we didn't i didn't really follow like any bands you know i would go uh, i'm trying to remember 
the names of the bars then because they're all kind of gone now but uh you know i remember seeing north mississippi all-stars a lot play on the strip but it was more of just like whoever was kind of in town we go check them out pretty much right any local bands that caught your eye or ear at all while you were in town that you remember not really honestly no it's kind of weird there weren't any that really caught my eye that i knew were local or tuscaloosa bands you know were you playing music back then i was college i was playing music but like not in a band or anything Uh, just like in your room yeah pretty much i lived next door to blaine uh when i lived here blaine duncan blaine duncan yeah yeah. and we had friends that would kind of like stay with us for a while or whatever and everyone kind of played music you know and we would sit around and jam or whatever you know till late night and then but that was it never really had any uh real aspirations of like forming a band or ever playing out in public when you say jam a lot of people can use that term a lot of different ways and it probably has a lot of meaning yeah and i'm sure with musicians it means the same thing but what does it mean specifically to you i mean does it mean to get in a room and and improvise with a bunch of people i mean yeah, playing songs or i mean what are you doing yeah i mean it was uh dozens of songs we we all knew and we would play around that you know and nothing very seriously and then we would have moments where we would just like try to improvise together a lot and then we just go back to playing songs we knew or whatever you know we're always either listening to music or kind of playing music back then it seemed like you're a fish fan right yeah i am yeah 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 so of course when i hear the term jam i mean again like i talk about different meanings and when it comes to fish that word means something different than it does with like say the average bar band that's playing in tuscaloosa right do you have any sort of background that made fish more appealing to you what what got you into them it's a good question you know because i didn't really listen to like jam band music before i heard fish because i was listening to you know 90s stuff you know in high school in general just kind of that alt rock indie rock stuff of the time and i don't know i had a friend who had a friend who like had followed fish for a while and i remember the first time i like really listened to them and i was just kind of blown away by what they were doing and you know i don't really listen to any other like quote-unquote jam bands like they don't really do it for me but there's something about i guess their attitude they seem very willing to take risk on stage and I don't know I think I really appreciated like the way they were trying to push themselves did you see them live yeah I've seen them a lot where have you seen them and when oh let's see I think the first time I saw them was like 98 like in Murfreesboro and I've seen them in Atlanta like 99 we saw them at um at Big Cypress for New Year's oh wow 2000 New Year's big show yeah yeah I've got some Big Cypress souvenir cups oh you do yeah in my my cupboard right now because I'm a fan I'm 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 a fan of fish I've seen them three times so I'm not like a yeah you know hard like hardcore traveler or follower yeah the first time I saw him was summer 2003 Uh my brother and I drove out to Washington State to see him at the gorge oh wow do a two-night run there that was I think during the round room tour Uh uh-huh you know so it's a little late and then we saw him in Raleigh like a week later which was a lot of fun but I've grown up listening to them ever since I was in high school you know yeah what was your introduction to them I'm curious the first fish song you heard (sighs) I don't know the first song I heard. I, I do remember listening to like a 94 Red Rocks tape a lot. It was so I was listening to a lot of like 94, 95 shows that because we had some tapes from that. It's a good era. So, so all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that really got kind of got me hooked pretty fast. You know, I mean, I love guitar. I'm not a great guitar player, but you know, like Trey's 
tone and ability just kind of i think really kind of got to me pretty quickly were you at the iron city show that he just played in birmingham no, i wasn't yeah i, I was wish. up there yeah. yeah it was great that's what i hear it was great he dropped a few fish songs in there but yeah he had some pretty great like standards that he played like i had always i used to jam the song mozambique uh-huh. when i would just drive around in high school and he he played that one the other night in birmingham and it just made the night for me for sure that's really interesting i think it's funny whenever you know a musician in alabama specifically is a fish fan yeah you know because you don't see it very often to be honest no and a lot of people aren't open-minded or at least open to fish they have this assumption about yeah. them no, have, you, totally. have, you, have you found that to be true even <laughs> yeah. with, even among your musician friends? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. You know, it's almost like you're admitting that you like fish. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why should I consider this a guilty pleasure when they're four of the best musicians yeah. out there? Yeah, no, and who have ever played? Yeah, I think I think you know, there's this culture that surrounds fish, and there's a typical fish fan, I guess, and uh, and I think a lot of people get kind of too wrapped up in all the negative they may see in that aspect of the thing um but you know i, I don't really care yeah <laughs> well not to get too hung up on fish but i'm yeah. just curious what's your favorite fish song oh man i don't know probably either stash stash or tweezer you know there's just been so many great moments in those songs yeah. it's good to hear somebody else you know who appreciates them yeah but i saw a I photo you know the reason i know that is i saw a photo and you had like just this pile of fish tapes and they were all, all right, labeled yeah. Yeah. on there and I was like oh this guy must be a fish fan but I want to go back a little bit sure. you, like our mutual friend Blaine Duncan you're from Seligen, Alabama right tell me a little about what the Pitts household was like back in Seligen. <laughs> well um let's see my dad dad's a football coach baseball coach he's a principal right now in a school in Mississippi so sports was kind of a big thing around the household in general he was a, a great football player he was a all-American linebacker. For whom? He played at, it was Livingston then, West Alabama. And so, you know, it was pretty nice. Soldier's a small town. My grandparents lived across the street from me. My other side grandparents lived a mile down the road. So we're all pretty close. You know, I have great uncles that live, you know, next door, then two houses down. So it's a small town life, you know, in general. Everyone kind of knows each other. Pretty quiet, simple life. And then, you know, high school comes around and you start making friends and staying out late and uh, getting into trouble. And Were you getting into trouble? Not too much, just a little bit. Well, you know? like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, an example of the kind of trouble you would get in. You know, staying out too late uh-huh. or, you know, drinking or, you know. Trouble with the parents, I guess. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of trouble with the parents. Yeah. Nothing with the law, <laughs> you know, fortunately. Right. So before you get to high school, yeah. you said sports was a big deal. I mean, is this something that you were actively participating in? Yeah. Did you play many sports? Yeah, well, up? I played, you know, I started playing T ball and played baseball way up until i graduated you know and that was all summer long pretty much every year baseball in high school yeah okay and what high school soldier okay soldier yeah and then basketball was you know pretty big too you know so started playing you know seventh grade basketball and played all the way through high school so most of our you know summers winters were kind of filled with either at the gym or outside shooting or down the baseball field or you know when i was younger going over to friends houses and uh you know playing football in the yard or playing wiffle ball you know it was always kind of sports going on something you enjoyed or i mean was it a thing where because your dad had such a history and he was still active in sports as a coach was there any sort of like pressure to to play sports no not i mean 
I, didn't, I never felt it. I, I loved it, you know, so I never really felt it. I didn't play football just because I wanted a break, you know. <laughs> I felt a little bit of pressure maybe to play football a little bit, but I didn't really. Not really your thing? No, yeah. I just didn't can be so brutal. I didn't want to wreck my body, really. <laughs> so I thought I'd take the easy way out and play basketball and yeah. baseball. Was Dad okay with that? Yeah, he was fine with it. That's good. Yeah. Were you guys a religious family? I mean, you grew up going to church? Yeah, we went to church. Baptist, the Baptist Church in Sulgent. We went there, you know, all through um, high school, off and on. I wasn't super religious, but, you know, enough. Was it conservative? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty conservative. So when it came to music, like, when did the music thing start, and was it ever a problem in a conservative household? No, it wasn't. I mean, I remember like hiding tapes when I was a kid, you know, like GNR Lies or something like that because I didn't want my parents to see <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, they didn't really ever care or try to keep me from playing music. Yeah. Were you scared to buy things with the sticker on it? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally scared of that. Yeah. Which really, you know, sucked because, you know, I remember when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out, I was dying to get that, but they had the sticker on it. So I kind of sneaked that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we had a, a record store who also sold CDs and cassettes called Vinyl Solution Yeah, on the Strip. You, you remember it? Mm -hmm. um, I bought my first CD there, and I bought the Spaghetti cover album of Guns N' Roses. What, what was the name of the album? Spaghetti Instant, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I bought it thinking, oh, it's the new Guns N' Roses album. I got to get it. And they sold it to me, and I was very young. Right. And I went home, and I noticed that it had the sticker on it when I got home. Yeah. And my brother pointed it out to me, and I thought, I'm going to be in so much trouble if my parents see this. So I took it back to Vinyl Solution and exchanged <laughs> it for something else yeah. without the sticker. I mean, that thing had so much power over me. Yeah, it does. It did, you know. Definitely did. Overcame it, though. <laughs> Snuck it in. Didn't let my conscience get the best of me, I no, guess. No, no, never got caught with it? Or with, with no. any music that they might not have approved of? I think I did once, but I can't even remember what tape it was. Yeah. yeah. So when did you start getting serious about music? Was it in high school? Were you playing in high school? Yeah, we were playing, you know. Who's we? You know, we kind of had uh, this little band and Sulgent and Blaine played drums back then and friend Michael White played guitar and I had a few other guys that sung, like my friend Kane sang and another friend Trent, he sung. And so we kind of get together and kind of work on songs every once in a while, you know, and practice and stuff. And they actually, I think they performed like at our talent show one year, uh, which was amazing. How'd that go? It went well. I think they played um, "Rocking in the Free World." Oh man! Yeah, I think Trent during like the jam portion towards the end of the song just started like ripping down every all the flyers and stuff they put up <sighs> on the back of the stage. Rock and roll, man! Just totally got suspended for that one. Uh, would they see that on like the VMAs or something when like Pearl Jam performed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right <laughs> after that. Yeah. But yeah, I started playing guitar more seriously then. I think I got like, I started playing guitar when I was 10, 11, I guess, something like that. And really kind of got really into playing guitar when I was 16, probably. And, you know, when I was living here, I would play four or five hours a day, you know, and trying to learn fish songs and <laughs> Grateful Dead songs and whatever. Just trying to learn the instrument, I guess, my own way. Yeah, I got kind of serious, but I never really thought about writing my own stuff, you know. That didn't really happen until later. I was probably like 22, 23 before that started happening. Was this after you left Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I okay. left. I actually joined the Air Force. 
So I was living in Florida at the time. For some reason, just felt the need to start riding. What led to joining the Air Force? Was that a family thing or? Yeah, sort of. It's a it's a long story. Oh yeah. I don't know if we have enough time on the podcast for it, but uh, <laughs> give me the Wikipedia version. Um, things weren't going so well with school, and so I thought, well, I can either get a job and pay for it, you know, out of my own, or I can join the Air Force and they'll pay for school and everything like that. So that's kind of the direction I went. Yeah. With it. So what happened in the Air Force? Yeah, not a lot. I read a lot of books. I mean, I had this really comfy job. It's on the third floor of this huge building around the beach, you know, I just sat up there and watched a monitor all night long, four years almost. Yeah? Yeah. So how that, I mean, did you, did you like it? No, it was great. It yeah. was easy, you know, kind of made a lot of good friends there. And what I started listening to started really to expand a lot, you know, because like I said, I, I really dig into fish pretty hard for a few years. And then I started slowly creeping out of that world and experiencing everything else. Speaking of that world, how deep into the fish world did you get? I don't know. Like I would say, I mean, not all the way in, right, you know, I wasn't right. like following them for an entire tour or something. We right. would just go to all the local shows and cause this is subculture. Yeah, it's, know? it's, it is. And it's, it's a pretty deep one, but, um, <laughs> no, I didn't get that deep. Kept into your it. distance. Yeah. You know, I would try to get, try to get as many tapes as I could of all the shows yeah. and you know, ones that were somewhat listenable and catch all the local shows. So after the air force, where do you go? Yeah, I moved from there. While I was in the Air Force, my uh, mom actually had moved up to Florence. So I'd signed up for six years in the Air Force, but they had an early out option. So I got out after four and a half years. So I didn't really have any plans. I got my degree while I was in. So I thought I'd move back up and chill out for a few months in Florence, you know. So joining the Air Force, I mean, that, that's that got to be something that on the surface and at the onset, it's got to freak out the parents a little bit, right? Or was that a decision that they were helping you to make? Yeah, it was kind of a decision they were helping me to make. Yeah. They thought it was a good decision. Yeah. Looking back on it, you know, probably was. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I learned a lot. I grew up a lot. You travel any? Not really. I, you know, was in Texas for a year, then in Florida for three and a half years. And That's then it. boom, you're done? Yeah. Wow. It was easy. It was really, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have, because I didn't know anything about the armed services before right. I joined. And I just got very lucky, you know, fell into this incredibly easy job where people respected me as at least a basic level uh -huh. and mm. can kind of come and go as I pleased. And it was nice, you know, kind of learned how to drink while I was in the Air Force. How do you mean? Well, I mean, I never really drank much before I joined the Air Force, and that's all you can really do in the Air Force. You know, you can't do anything else. So we found we had a local bar that we loved, and so everyone would kind of go there. It was great. And so started, you know, drinking four or five times a week and kind of really just getting into that whole world of alcohol, but nothing serious you know or didn't develop a drinking problem <laughs> at all but you know like i never appreciated you know beer before so now i do now you've got an appreciation yeah, for it How, what kind of appreciation do you mean like you won't drink drink anything other than like high gravity stuff no no a, no no not like a beer snob no not at all i can okay. i'm not versed enough to even be a beer snob it's just <laughs> So what do you mean by an appreciation of beer? Well, just like before I joined, like I would drink beer just to get drunk, you know, maybe, or drink whatever occasionally, but I never really enjoyed it. 
but you know, like now sit down with a beer and just really enjoy the flavor. It's just something I'll kind of learn. I mean, it's a ba- pretty basic thing, but <laughs> <laughs> something you still carry with you. Yeah. Whenever I, every once in a while, it reminds me of the Air Force and all the friends. That's sweet. Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, so, okay. Again, let's go back to post Air Force. Okay. And what you do. I mean, sure. where, where geographically again, did you go? Yeah, I went to Florence, right. Northwest Alabama. Right. What year is this? Can you give me a timeline? 2004. Okay. And so when did you graduate high school? 97. 97, okay. Yeah. So it took me a little bit. and I got my undergrad, so I want to go to graduate school. And so I went to graduate school eventually for psychology. And the closest grad program was in Huntsville. So I went to UAH mm-hmm. and lived over there for a few years. Got my master's in that, which led me to a job at the university. And so stayed over in Huntsville for a couple more years before finally moving back to Florence. That was probably four years ago I moved back to Florence and really love Florence, the people there. And that's why we moved. I was actually, I still had my job for three years in Huntsville. And I was driving from Florence to Huntsville every day, which is like an hour and 15 minute commute each way, just because I was always in Florence anyway on the weekends or wanted to be there make music with people who live there. So how long did you do that commute each way? Hour 15? About three years. Wow. Yeah. I had a job in Clinton before I started here. Oh, yeah. And I lived in Tuscaloosa, so I had a commute up and down 82. It was about an hour and 10 minutes yeah. similar to that. I did it for about eight months. Yeah. And it takes a toll on you. It does. Yeah. Like, I, I can't believe I did that long. Yeah, you know, it's a honestly, long time. When I stopped, you know, and started having a normal life again, I was, <laughs> I was like, I can't, like, I was kind of blown away that I was actually pushed myself to do that for that long. But, yeah. It's a lot of gas station time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And it's a lot of opportunity to get, you know, crushed by an 18 wheeler. You know, I mean, Deer. It's, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Coyotes. I yeah. ran over two coyotes oh, during that man. time. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for the coyotes. Yeah, right. Pour one out for them. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Florence. Are you still working at UNA? Yeah, I am actually. As a, as a, are you doing research analysis or, I mean, yeah, sort of. I work in an office called Institutional Research. And so they just provide all the data for a university. So like official enrollment, credit hour data, we do special studies, okay. you know, that sort of thing. I started there, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I guess I finally was able to get a job there. I did that for about a year and a half. I was doing that same job in Huntsville. So, How long have you been married? We've been married for seven years now. Okay, yeah. so about the time you're in Florence and yeah. you start doing this thing, so you meet your future wife at some point, right? Right. When uh, I first moved back up you know, to Florence after the Air Force, I met Louisa at the coffee shop. She was working there. What coffee shop? It's Rivertown, right downtown. I was pretty much just staked out there most of the time, you know, um, just reading or checking the internet or whatever. And so we met probably, you know, four months or so after I moved up there. A year later, we were married. A year? Yeah. So a lot happened in a year, I guess. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty fast year. Yeah? Yeah, it was good. What was that like? I mean, to start that, obviously you guys have a creative partnership and mm-hmm. a collaborative relationship, but I mean, did that start during that entire first year? Or is this something that's grown since then? It's grown, you know. It was probably couple of years after we'd been married before we really started writing songs together or playing music with each other really she'd always kind of written songs since she was a kid but it was kind of private about that part of her life you know was music an icebreaker for you guys i mean was this a, a common interest as soon as you met and started dating yeah it was definitely i mean 
we uh, gave her a lot of mixed CDs and whatnot, and we went to a lot of shows together, you know, right when we first started dating. Yeah, it was definitely a, a shared interest between the two of us. I'd play every once in a while at Rivertown. She would be there sometimes, you know, and like she knew I played music, I guess, but I didn't really know what a songwriter she really was until, you know, many years later. Really? No kidding? Yeah. So why do you think she kept that? I'm sure I'd have to ask her, but I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think she's kind of a private person in general, you know, and it's just something that she's always done, I think, And but I don't think she ever really... I don't know. I don't know if she didn't want to just be public with it or try to be in a band or write songs in a public way at all. So you know, what do you think it was about your relationship or was it any, did it have anything to do with your relationship in terms of bringing that out of her and making her less shy about sharing her creativity, her art with other people in a public setting? I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, with the way, you know, two people's lives are intertwined and the way uh, relationships influence things. I mean, I can't couldn't really say if, if we hadn't met, if she wouldn't have been doing the same thing she's doing right now. Right. It's really hard to say. Yeah. I do remember, like, the first time she'd always said that she could sing well, you know, that she could sing, and she's been singing because she kind of grew up in a Church of Christ church where they did a lot of, like, basso law singing and shape note singing and stuff like that. And so singing was very important, I guess, early on for her. And one story, I guess, like while we were dating, she said that she had a tape of her singing when she was younger. And because she was probably like 13 or something, she played it for me. And it was really good. She was very, you know, nervous, you know, where she was almost like shaking a little bit from it. So I think it was a lot of kind of like nerves getting over that is why she probably never wanted to um, perform live, you know, much. Because I think for her, I mean, she still has terrible stage fright. Has that ever been a problem for you? Yeah, at first it was definitely, you know, get nerves. I did for a long time. I don't really get that nervous any longer. What does it take? What does it take to get over that hump? Especially if you're a shy person. And especially when you're as vulnerable as you are when it comes to sharing something that you have created and it's something that is so personal and representative of you. I mean, I can understand getting over it in terms of covering songs, for instance, playing like an acoustic show and playing other people's music. But right. I think it's on an entirely different level when you are playing your own stuff. No, totally. It is for me personally. I don't know why it got me over the hump to actually want to go out and play stuff live. I just, I guess I felt like I was in a comfortable place around people where I was comfortable sharing that with. And, you know, no one accosted me while I was doing <laughs> it. So I kept on for her. I don't know what finally got her to want to do it, but. Well, I guess if someone doesn't accost you the first time you do it, they may not the next time. Right. <laughs> that yeah. kind of pushes you forward yeah. a little bit. Yeah, build the confidence a little bit. So when did you start writing music together? When did you start collaborating? It's probably about six years ago, I guess. We are living in Athens at the time, I remember. Georgia? No, Alabama. Alabama. Okay. Yeah, is, that where, of, is that where she's from? Or I mean, She's you... from that area, okay. sort of. It's a small town kind of north of Athens, but we'd lived in Huntsville and then we moved to Athens after that. I was still working at UAH, but it was during that time we started playing kind of as a duo acoustic stuff. Started from there and we would drive over to Florence to play shows. Typically we wouldn't play any shows in Huntsville or anything. And so I think that was about the time we started thinking about moving back to Florence because a lot of people we were kind of working with or playing shows with all lived in Florence. 
it had a scene, I guess, built in at the time, or was it what it is now, even back then, when it comes to a place that can foster your creativity? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it started growing a lot about the time we started going back over there and playing shows. I mean, it'd been growing for a little while. I think, you know, today the community is a lot larger than it was then. When it comes to being married to your creative partner Mm -hmm. and your collaborator, is there a blurred line there in terms of where you can go? Is there a criticism that exists between the two of you that feels a little safer than it would if you weren't married? I don't know. You know, it's weird. We don't really actively write together often. But yeah, she'll, like, I can speak from, like, recently, I was working on a song, and I was kind of stumped about, you know, if I should add another verse here, or if I should put a bridge at the end, or whatever, and it helps having her there, because she can definitely give really sound advice that I'm very eager to take in. But a lot of times, you know, she'll come to the band with a song pretty much laid out completely, you know, as far as the melody, and she'll have ideas about drum parts even or what the general sound should be i think it is kind of easy to have comfortable criticism though with your spouse you know you don't i mean you're still polite <laughs> about the thing but uh it's i don't know it's kind of easier to take i guess so it seems in a way it could make you more self-conscious because i mean you care about it and the people you might want to most impress are the people closest to you right not necessarily impressed but that you'd want to share it with and get positive feedback from i mean has it always been a relatively smooth process for the two of you yeah i mean i really think it has been whenever i've written songs her feedback's usually uh pretty positive but she might have something specific to say but she'll have a reason behind it you know and i don't know <laughs> so it's, it's kind of it's going well i yeah. mean it always has gone well yeah yes it's been pretty yeah easy. there's nothing yeah it goes really well actually we've worked before like i've helped her like she'll come she may just have a melody for a song and lyrics and I'll like help work to find like proper chords to go with it or something like that yeah it, it works pretty well actually because I, I kind of know what she wants I think it's easier for her to kind of tell me kind of what she wants or the sound to be like I know that 2006 this is the number that is is sort of officially listed as the genesis of the bear yeah but was that when you guys actually said, hey, we're going to do this thing called The Bear? Or did it start a little earlier and it's something that just sort of became what it was? I mean, when did you start getting serious about what would soon become this project or this permanent band that you guys are in now? It was probably about that time, you know, because I'd had several songs of my own and she had had a lot of songs. Like I said, she'd been writing for a long time. So we kind of built enough songs to kind of have a set. So we decided we were going to play a few shows in Florence. It was pretty quick. We decided, you know, we would be the bear. And uh, it was just kind of the two of us. And we did that for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And started slowly adding members, you know, to the band over time. But, you know, it wasn't like a huge effort or a huge effort to, like, we're like, we're going to make an album right. like right now. Right. You know, it was just kind of, sl- I think, slowly, organically kind of developed from just us wanting to play a set to like, hey, we, maybe we can make an album. Well, what compels you to want to share it with people? I mean, obviously, you're an artist and you want to write music and you want to be creative. But at what point do you finally say to yourself and each other, okay, well, now we need to put it out there and be public with it. Right. And, and give it to people to, to enjoy, to absorb and interpret. I mean, I think, I mean, 
Honestly, I think I hate to speak for her, but I think she'll agree that it was the process of recording an album that was interesting to us. Like to actually go through the entire process and record these songs the best we could and to kind of document them. And it's just, you know, it's an album and people can buy it, you know, and, and have it for their own. And it's a public thing. But I think the biggest part was just kind of the project or the process of going through and actually seeing what it was like, you know, the fun of it. So when it comes to building your sound, is that really something you think about? Is that something you're cognizant of, my sound or the sound that we're specifically going for? Or like you said, does it does it just sort of happen organically and this is the, just the kind of music we play? Yeah, I think it is an organic thing. There's not like a very, uh, there's no conscious effort to have a certain sound. I don't think, I think our sound is built around the songs that we write. And I think we don't necessarily have a specific sound. Maybe we're starting to develop it just by, by the way we write songs. But, you know, we're not like, okay, we're going to be a garage rock band or we're going to be a psych band or we're going to be a, you know, straight folk band or anything. So I think it is a very organic thing for us. And do you like the term alt country? Um, I mean, I don't hate it, but I guess it just depends on how it's used. Right. Um, there's some, I mean, there's some bands that probably fit exactly to what alt country should be, but it's probably overused. It's a pretty broad term anyway. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm always interested in what artists think about labels like that and genres being classified mm-hmm. a certain way, because I think most of the time artists would, I mean, I'm sure that they, or you would agree to a certain extent with what people describe you as in a general sense, but I think a lot of them would say, I wouldn't call us that at all. Right. I'm sure it is for other people too. I mean, I think, you know, like labels or categories like that are just kind of a little outdated, maybe. I don't know. There's just so many different styles now that you'll hear, like, and I'll have no idea what they mean necessarily, you know, for specific bands. But I think, you know, 50 years ago is probably pretty easy to categorize people into uh, certain genres but you know today's music is the fruit of all this other music that came before it mixed together and so you have all these genres kind of mixing together you know today and so i don't think it's as accurate as maybe it used to be well there's a shoals writer named terry pace are you familiar with him i am well he wrote about you and he wrote about your music and I want to share a quote here and he said that the bear was preserving a timeless musical tradition by making music on their own terms without any preconceived formulas or creative compromises I'm interested is that how you feel that you're making music on your own terms in a unique way Mm. well I definitely think we're making on our own terms how unique our music is it's hard to really say I mean I think it is somewhat unique, but I mean, there's, it's not crazy experimental, you know, in any way. Cause I think, you know, if you listen to our last record, there are several maybe styles or genres mixed in, but it, to me, it seems like there's a kind of a general sound to it, but I don't think that sound is extremely unique or extremely experimental. You don't think so. Right. But I mean, I'm sure there have been people who have told you that it is. Yeah. And what's your response to that? Just, I mean, I don't think so. Or? No, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a compliment, right. you know, obviously. So, I mean, you don't think what you're doing right now creatively is all that different than other stuff that you're hearing? I mean, do you think that you have a singular voice? Well, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I think everyone, to a certain extent, has their own singular voice. Right. You know, no, I think we do have a certain style, a certain sound. But like I said, it's an organic thing. And it is based on, I think, the song, whatever inspired us to write and form these songs, which isn't, you know, just us or Amber and I. It's like everyone in the band, you know, kind of puts their voice, I think, into the songs and how they're recorded and how they kind of develop live. How important is it to you to do it on your own terms? You know, and I hate to keep going back to that phrase, but when it comes to, I guess, breaking into the industry, and that's a really cynical way of looking at it, but when it comes to pursuing a career in music mm-hmm. and, and doing it professionally, I'm sure that there are compromises that a lot of people have to make or aren't willing to make. But it seems like you guys, and obviously other people feel this way, it seems like you guys are doing your own thing and a lot of people are really responding to it. And that has to feel good. No, it definitely does. You know, it's great. I don't I don't really think that we would ever try to augment our sound to reach some demographic or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't ever think that would even be a, um, a question to us. You Do know? you see people doing that right now where you are? No. No? Not really. I've never really experienced that as far as as far as I know, you know. I think, you know, like there's quite a few bands around here and I think, you know, they're searching for their own sound and, and that's what they're doing. Well, and the Shoals too seems like an ideal environment for a musician. Shoals in Florence anyway. Right. I mean, there's so much happening there creatively. Oh, and yeah. There's there's an industry on its own there. And right. that people are moving there to right. to be a part of it. Yeah. You know? And you guys are a big part of it right now. Yeah. It's I mean, it's nice. We have a new venue that opened up in Florence that uh is really nice to have, you know, finally in Florence. I mean, we've had Pegasus record store. They renovated their garage some time ago and started having shows back there. And so that was kind of a good venue to have. Now we have a kind of a second one with 116 Mobile. So we have venues now, and we have out-of-town shows coming in through there as well. There are a record label in town, Single Lock, just this large history of music up there. It's inspiring to be around so many people who are pursuing their passions, their music. You guys have a lot of really talented people in your band, too. I mean, yeah, yeah, that helps a whole right. lot. You know, Daniel Stoddard, he plays pedal steel with us, and uh, he's played with so many different bands. You know, he's kind of a cornerstone for our band. We've had our um, drummer and bass player, Kyle and Ben, they've kind of taken a break recently. Kyle just had a set of twins come his way. Oh, wow. So he's a pretty busy papa <laughs> these days. But luckily, you know, there's so many good musicians around that we're able to have a couple of really talented guys playing in their spot right now. So, I mean, fortunate is definitely the word for living in Florence. Because, I mean, there's so many great musicians just kind of floating around. Well, and another collaborator, obviously somebody in your band, is Ben Tanner. Yes. Who is a busy man himself. Very, very busy guy. Lately. Yeah. Especially, right? Yeah. In that he tours with... Alabama Shakes, and he's also recording music. He recorded your album. Did he right. record both of your albums? He did, yeah. Yeah, Ben's been you know, with us from early, early on. He was the first person we added you know, to the band. And yeah, he you know, engineered, recorded, mixed our first record, and did the same thing on the second record, too. Yeah, he's a very 
busy and talented guy. Well, and you know, I'm curious because I mean, the guy has, like you said, he's he's recorded you guys twice, and he's in the band. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of difference does that make for somebody who is in your band and cares as much about the product, I guess, as you do? Oh, I mean, it's amazing because I mean, let me see, good way to explain this. We recorded the first record over a period of two weekends, you know, and it was all day long and he is there at the controls, you know, mixing and recording until late into the night. So, I mean, he's very, he knows what sound we're trying to get out of a certain segment of a song or a song in general is invaluable to have someone like in the band actually mixing and recording you. What are you seeing with Alabama music right now? Because you guys are a part of the bigger picture of Alabama music. I mean, people really like you. People really like your music, and they consider you one of the better bands in the state, obviously. I'm curious, what are you seeing with Alabama music now that you've sort of been through it that you weren't seeing back when, say, you released your debut album? In your mind, what has changed about it since then? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I'm exposed. I'm aware personally of a lot more bands, a lot more uh, around the state than I was back then. I don't. I'm sure that there were still, you know, dozens of great bands back when I wasn't aware of them. But you know, I can't say that for certain. But I'm relatively confident that was the case. I think maybe um, now more people feel like it's something that they can actually do. Like people maybe will respond to them a little bit better than maybe beforehand. Cause it does seem like, you know, Alabama music is kind of in the spotlight a little bit more now than it was five, six years ago. So I think it's just kind of, if anything, hopefully it's just bringing up people's confidence to share their music. As far as it being more so in the spotlight than it was say five years ago or so, do you think that you guys have had anything to do with that, or is that anything you pay attention to? No, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I mean, I don't know. I doubt that we <laughs> we have really brought a lot of that on. We've been kind of fortunate to be a part of it, but you know, I think a lot of the spotlight comes from national recognition for bands, and I think a band like the Alabama Shakes, you know, they probably have a lot more weight as far as like bringing some attention to Alabama, you know. Well, it helps, you know, to have somebody do that. I mean, if it's going to happen to somebody, you said you lived in Athens. Were you familiar with those guys when you lived there? I wasn't actually. I didn't really know anyone in Athens when I lived there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just... Your collaborators with Ben, I mean, are they they folks that you're friendly with now and that you've... Yeah, yeah, whenever we see... I mean, they're great, great guys and Brittany's great, you know. Yeah. But yeah, they're... Super humble, down to earth folks. What's good to see is that I think most musicians in Alabama, like for instance with the Alabama Shakes, I think they're happy for them and they're happy for what it's doing for the state. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, there's a larger spotlight on Alabama now. And I hear names like yours and Doc Daly's, and you've got Bella Dare and the Polly's where you guys are now. And, mm-hmm. you know, those names are becoming more prevalent in Alabama, but also in the southeastern region. Right. Yeah. And that's different. No, totally. Than it to is. Say a few years ago. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of things kind of happened at once. You know, a lot of bands were having kind of their own sounds and were good, genuine, you know, in their work, I think. I think it was just great kind of timing for a lot of that. Like you said, the Polly's and Belladere and Doc. Also, like Dylan LeBlanc lives in Florence now. And uh, then, of course, you always have the kind of like the drive by truckers connection to the area as well and just the sheer history of the place too. right yeah that doesn't hurt no it's pretty it's pretty nice the muscle shoals documentary kind of 
reinforced a lot of what had been, you know, the spotlight. Did I you guess. see it? I still haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. I know. I think it comes out on DVD today. Today. Yeah. 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 So we'll have to get a copy of it. We had a screening at the Bama Theater last, gosh, I don't remember if it was fall, I guess, or summer. I can't I can't remember, but it was a packed house. And people loved it. Man. Yeah, I know. Everyone that I've talked to says it's Oh, it's yeah, great. Fantastic. Yeah, I can tell you. It's really well put together. I mean, I'm an Alabamian, so obviously I'm biased. Right. But, I mean, I'd be biased anyway and, you know, want to encourage people to see it and support it, but it was extremely well done. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah. And I think people who even know that history obviously learned a lot of new things, but I think they're extremely proud of it. Yeah, I really can't wait. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to see it. It's one of those things like I know I'm going to see at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. You guys are playing South by Southwest. Yes, Single Lock is having a showcase out there. So all the Single Lock bands are going to be playing out. So it should be a, a lot of fun. It'll be you guys and who else just like to let people know. who. Okay, know. yeah, let's see. I can probably forget someone, but it's us, Belder is playing. The Polys are playing. St. Paul and the Broken Bones are playing it. Dylan LeBlanc, I believe, is playing it. Steelism is playing. And I think there might be a couple more people, but... Okay. Yeah. Have you played that before? We went out and played a couple of years ago. We were like an unofficial band or whatever, and we played like one gig there and kind of came back just to kind of do it for fun, you mm-hmm. know. So you glad to be going back? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This is kind of one more of an official basis, right? This time, yeah. So it'll be a little different. Yeah, I think it will be. We'll go out there for a few days and kind of get to soak up the experience a little bit yeah and then want to move to austin and leave alabama behind and all this will mean nothing yeah i don't know i lived in texas for a year i don't i don't know i don't think texas is for me will you guys be touring before and after that yeah we're going well i wouldn't say touring we're gonna be playing uh shows around alabama and i think we might have one show in florida maybe we're gonna try to do kind of like a record store tour maybe a little bit we're playing like a house show in kansas just kind of spotty shows all around the place you know as far as what's next i mean are you guys recording it again anytime soon are y'all writing right now what's going on yeah that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) you should go talk to somebody about it yeah i don't know um we've been trying to figure out like when we want to record again Definitely. I'm not sure if we're going to be recording in the next couple of months or six So you have six stuff months. to record. Yeah. I mean, there's there's songs. Okay. You know, Amber always has a ton of songs and uh, been kicking around a couple. But yeah, it's more of about kind of timing when we want to do it right now, I think. Okay. And yeah. for Acoustic Night, yeah. which is this weekend, what can people expect? It should be a fun night. And, you know, it's going to be us and Blaine Duncan and the Lookers are going to play an acoustic set. It's going to be Louisa and myself, and then Daniel Stoddard's going to play pedal steel. So uh, nice. it should be kind of a nice, kind of chill, acoustic y kind of set. I think Blaine has kind of a, a little bit more full band approach he's gonna bring so uh, should be a fun night that's gotta be kind of cool a cool feeling that a couple of guys from Sulligent yeah are playing the same headlining the same Bama theater show yeah it's pretty great actually like you said Blaine and I go back you know to high school and it's kind of nice to uh kind of share the stage with Blaine you know now especially when you know we were both getting into music really hard that I know I never really thought that I'd be playing out you know public and people would want to come see us you know so it's pretty it's pretty special to me Nathan Pitts thanks so much for doing this hey, man thanks man yeah. Silent decay of 
light 